Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. All aboard! Ha, ha, ha! You're on the crazy train! All aboard! <laughs> Welcome to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All right, welcome to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful opening day of deer season, and in the studio here, uh, Sam I am the producer, and I've got our good friend Ron. Ron, how do you pronounce that last name of yours? Heidenreich. Heidenreich. Yeah. So thanks for coming in, Ron. Yep. In fact, uh, our topic uh, will be a little bit of deer hunting. We'll talk a little fishing, a little bit of everything today. Have some fun. Um, but as Ron and I were standing outside in the dark, Ron commented to me, how many years ago has it been since it's you deer been, hunted? It's been 21 years since I hunted with a gun. Okay. And, and I what do you truly, not miss about it? <laughs> I, I truly do not miss on a nice cold crisp morning stumbling around in the dark walking through the woods trying to find my tree. Yeah, yeah. I'm with, I'm with you on that. I've never really been super fired up especially especially like the second or third day of hunting maybe the first day you're psyched up enough to get out there early but then you start waking up and you look outside and it's cold outside and it's dark and i'm like ah uh, maybe i'll get to my stand a little later uh, the deer like to move mid-morning and you start rationalizing thinking you know yeah the deer start moving mid-morning uh yeah yeah i'll just uh i'll just sleep in here Roll over and uh, tuck in. Roll over and tuck in. Go into the fetal position, <laughs> um, and then I've I've come. To, I've gotten lazy. Run, you know where I hunt over there in Sparta. You know it's like Shangri La. There's deer running around everywhere. Um, I think to myself, oh, I'll just uh, I'll just sit out before dark on the field. I'll just get out there and sit that last two hours. And you know what? Up there, that's all it. It's all it really takes. Right. Right. You know, when when I was uh, hunting, the last few years I hunted was in Buffalo County, and and there, if if you didn't get a shot at a deer in about the first two hours, you were watching squirrels the rest of the day until that last hour or so. Right. So you know, you know, you had to get out there in the morning if you wanted a chance, but it wasn't a lot of fun. At least I didn't enjoy it towards the end. Yeah, I uh, I did uh, I did well a couple hunt, hunting stories. I was talking about getting out there late. On uh, and, and uh, you know just sitting the end of the day on a field uh, I don't know maybe it was three years ago I came in did the show here and I wasn't I think I went home took a nap and I wasn't super motivated I drove up there got up to Sparta with like 45 minutes left before dark so I thought 
you know, when I came out of the woods bow hunting uh, a couple of weeks ago, I'd come from across the road and right behind the barn in another kind of a side field there, there were a couple big deer and they had bolted back into the marsh. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to go down behind the barn, sit, put my rifle outside the truck and uh, sit inside and just look, watch this field. So I'm sitting there <laughs> and sure enough, right at dark, like on cue, a, a deer comes bolting out onto the field. So I go to get out of the truck and I forgot that the light on the dome light, <laughs> right? So the dome light comes on and the buzzer or whatever, yeah. and I'm trying to shut the dome light off. Can't remember if it was really buzzing <laughs> or not, but I'm trying to fumbling with the dome light. By the time I get the dome light shut off, I should have just got out of the truck. I don't think the deer would have noticed that they wouldn't have looked over there anyway. By the time I got it off, the three deer, there was a last one was a big one. And the, the uh, first two there heading across the field. And then the other one, um, by the time I get the scope up, I can see it's a nice buck. And now it's running dead away from me at about 100 yards or so. And I'm like, oh, crap. And it was a definite shooter. Right. And then it stopped and turned at about 200 yards and turned broadside. And I was going to squeeze a shot. Then it turned running towards me. And that's when I, I took a poke, but I, I didn't touch that <laughs> thing. It ran across the road, stood in the middle of the road. You know, I'm just looking at the thing. Right. And of course, I'm not going to shoot it on the road. And then right. across it went. But I'm telling you, there's so many deer up there. All I had to do was go sit behind the barn Yep. And one come running out. So were uh, the fields where they like where they picked corn, where there was some stuff. Yeah, up there back from them? at that time it was uh, it was picked corn. So uh, it could be. And then other years it's beans. Now this year, uh, I'm a little bit worried because they didn't do the usual corn or the beans. They did something called Milo, I think. It's, okay. It's and the deer really haven't been hitting that much mm. now. It looks like it's all harvested now when I was up there, but I don't know. You don't really see a whole lot of stuff on the ground for them to come out and uh, yeah. for all the pickings and stuff. So I, I don't know if it'll be that good. Yeah, I don't know what that Milo is. I've never heard of it. No, nah, I hadn't either. So it's it's another type of feed that they use. Um, but then the next year, I did get up. I did take the show off, mm -hmm. and I did get up into my tree stand. I... Tell you what, Ron, I bought one of these uh, big enclosure, this big stand, and it's got an enclosure. It's sure. not a, it's like a cloth enclosure, and it's a tripod one. Yep. And it took me like a whole day by myself in the woods to try and put that son of a gun together. <laughs> and then it was missing all the, 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 the kit came. It was supposed to be a closeout deal, yep. right? Yep. Well, it came with missing cross members and everything else. So I kind of put it together. As best I could. Oh, I think no. it's stable. But <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I did get up there early in the morning. And uh, and sure enough, I'm, you know, I hated it the whole time walking in there. I'm like, oh, I really don't feel like being here. And I hate getting up early. Yep. And then I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, uh-oh, now I got to use the bathroom. Uh -oh. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'll sit till 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Then I got to climb down. I'll go back to the farm. And sure enough, at 6.45, here comes a buck walking up the ridge. So okay. I drilled it and got a nice eight-pointer. Done. But it done, yeah. <laughs> so it pays. I mean, that, that, that buck had no idea that, right. I, was, that I was there. He's you know, only 30 yards away. So did you shoot it out of the rickety tripod? 
I did shoot it out of the rickety blind. You know, it's not as bad as, you know, as what you'd think. I mean, I kind of bent, bent a bunch of cross members and bolted it together. And, and then after the first year, it got, it blew down in the wind, right? Okay. So I got there the next year and I stood it back up. And this time I took a rope and I tied it. It's a tripod one. Yep. I, t- I tied rope to each of the three legs to trees. Sure. Right? And when I went back there a month ago, I was so happy to see that. Stand- still standing. It's huh? still standing, by gosh. <laughs> and uh, there was some, some, some kind of crap up inside it where, I don't know if a raccoon climbed up there and porcupine. decided to take a porcupine, yeah. decided to take a dump in my stand. Yep. So I kind of kicked kick that out of there, but you know who knows? Maybe a little bit of, little bit of dung up there will cover my scent. <laughs> <laughs> who, who needs that? That's who needs sure. that spray stuff to oh, cover your scent man. when you got a little porcupine dung in the old blind? That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I imagine a lot of our regular listeners are uh, out in, out in the stand right now. Yep. Anticipation, probably partially sweated up. And about to get cold. Well, that's well, that's the thing. Yeah, uh, you you walk on out, man. I used to walk on out and be all sweaty, and then I got smart where I started carrying stuff in a little backpack with right. me, and then you put more on as as the day goes by. Yeah, I've actually several times I've actually sat from sun up till sundown. Mm-hmm. One time in Michigan, I got especially motivated. I thought I'm going to go back in that swamp and let me tell you it was a swamp and i was hunting by myself realistically i shouldn't have gone in that swamp all by myself but i did and i found like a little uh a little landlocked little rise amongst all the water and as i go crashing in there with my hip boots on breaking ice i could hear deer crashing around me in there and i sat all day long no food, no water, oh. no nothing. Just sitting, thinking about life. And right before dark, I could hear this little bit of creak, a little twig snap, just real little bit of noise. And finally, I spot 20 yards away, there's this doe's head. All I could see was its head. Yep. And it's eyeballing me, <laughs> looking at me. You know, I'd sat there all day long. And now, you know, and it knew... It knew I was there. It didn't have my, it, you know, I don't know. So it's checking me out. I'm yep. sure it wondered, what the heck's over there? And, of course, it bolted. Yep. My, I thought I was going to waylay a giant buck back there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I sure it was just a baldy back there. That plan never worked. <clears throat> Worst thing sure. is I forgot. Actually, I had one of those little stools, you know, one of those little, uh, it, one of the little camel ones. It's like a mini bar stool that oh, swivels. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. That's still in that swamp in <laughs> Michigan. <still> there, huh? <laughs> My dad went back. I tried to give him directions to find it. Well, how are you going to find it in a swamp? Right. You know? So this is sometime back then. Yeah, that was back 19, 1987, 1988. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I, I met a guy, and he had some land up in Michigan, just north of Marinette, Stevenson, Wallace, Ingalls, that area, and 150 bucks. For the whole season, and the Michigan season started November 15th, right. you could get tons of tags. So I had one buddy of mine who'd pay 75 bucks. I'd pay 75 bucks, and it was great. We had deer to ourselves. Never got any monsters. Wow. But uh, always got my buck anyway. Yeah, well, I was la- actually last weekend I was up in, uh, in uh, Gladstone, Michigan, Upper Peninsula, 
And their season had opened that, that Friday. So there's, their season is open about a full week ahead of ours. Yeah, and that's the thing up there is that with that, you know, November 15th opening, they tend to catch the rut better mm-hmm. than we do. Yeah. And there was some talk about possibly changing the uh, season in Wisconsin, but all the traditionalists got all up in arms that right. it's got to be the Saturday before Thanksgiving. It's got to be the traditional nine-day hunt. Nine, nine days, yeah. And I know for a fact that the bow hunters, they're, you know, they tend to be greedy fellows. They don't want the gun season to open any earlier because they want to catch that. The rut. The rut, yeah. <laughs> and they don't want a bunch of yahoos with guns and blaze orange, you know, right. getting it. And and I'm a bow hunter, too. I, I understand you kind of want to get it then, right. but... Uh, a little selfishness there. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. I, think, I think a November 15th opening would be great. Right. But then I guess some people that can't get off during the middle of the week if it falls on, uh, yeah. But with all the deer, I, the, I mean, they're trying to come up with all these extra seasons, all this extra harvest, this and that. Um, I don't think it would hurt a thing to open it November 15th and just run it like for two weeks till the end of the month like Michigan does. But right. is it, Does it run to the end of the month? I think in Michigan it runs for two weeks up there. In fact, one, one year, Ron, I actually shot a deer in Wisconsin and a deer in Michigan in, on the same day. Oh, wow. Yeah, I went uh, to Oshkosh when my uh, brother's wife was pregnant with, I'm trying to think which one, if it was the second or third child, but he said, you know, she's supposed to have the baby like today. Yeah. He said, but I can go hunt. There's a little marsh I got here in Oshkosh. We can go go hunt. And sure enough, he, uh, he chased. I was up in a tree, blowing around in a tree, and he chased the little one by me, and I made a, it was a miracle shot. I was blazing away at it as it's <laughs> bouncing up and down in the tall cattails. And uh, my brother came over. He's actually laughing. He goes, that was fun. I was watching you shoot out of the tree. You could see a puff of smoke and this and that. And uh, then he'd hear the report. He went over there and found my last shot. Got it. So I got a little one there. I drove up to Michigan, sat on the field, and shot a deer there that same night. So Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. It, it was funny, you know, I didn't realize that their deer season had opened on Friday, and, and we weren't up there for hunting or fishing. But uh, we were where we were at, uh, my daughter's fiancé has, has an airplane and a hangar up in, in uh, Gladstone. And we went up there, he's got living quarters in it, and we went up there, and he, he stopped and bought a big bag of apples because he says, yeah, I like to feed the deer, and he's not a hunter. Right. And uh, put put the apples out, and they weren't touched, so... The, the hunt, the one day of hunting season must have uh, put them off, you know, that fast. Oh, yeah. It can change in a hurry. So, well, we're going to run a break. When we come back, maybe we'll talk a little fishing, Ron. Sounds good. I like the way sparkling Against your skin so brown And I want to sleep with you in the desert tonight With a billion stars all around Cause I got a peaceful, easy feeling And I know you won't let me Back 
to the Skipper Buds, Cutting Edge Outdoors. Thanks for listening this beautiful uh, Saturday opening day. And uh, Ron, uh, we talked a little hunting. Uh, let's talk a little bit of fishing. Now it's kind of winding down the season right now. Yep. But uh, uh, you, 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 you don't only just fish around here. You take a lot of trips. So why don't you kind of share, where have you gone? What'd you do this year? Well, this summer I made two one-week trips up to Lake of the Woods, one in July and one in September. And uh, then in August, the wife and I and a couple of other couples uh, go to Lake Vermilion in Minnesota for a week. So those are uh, my out-of-state trips. And then I you know, go make a couple of trips in-state for smallmouth bass and, and muskies on the Chippewa Lodge. So um, this year was, you know, this year for us, was not really eventful. You know, we, we did okay in July, a little bit below our normal, uh, but with no big fish. We had a couple of fish that were 45 inches, but we like to categorize big fish as muskies up, up above 50 inches. And the same thing held true when we went in September. We had a, we had a, a decent trip as far as catching, but the size just wasn't there for us this year. So you're talking about the flowage, right? Your flowage? No, that was on Lake of the Woods. Oh, Lake of the Woods. Lake okay. of the Woods, right. So, I, you know, for some reason, and I, I did speak to some people this uh, year, friends of mine, that for all practical purposes, their, their average size was a little bit down this year up there. But uh, I don't believe that's a reflection on the lake. I believe it was just, a, uh, you know, we had a really a screwed up uh, April and May up there, late ice. Right. And uh, it, it seems like uh, what, what happens in the month of April and May have a big bearing on what happens the rest of the summer. If, if it's a screwed up spring uh, where maybe the ice goes out early and then it gets warm and then it gets cold or vice versa, late ice, and then all of a sudden it warms up real fast, um, the, the fish never catch up. You know, the water temperature may warm up, like in, for instance, for the spawn, uh, the water temperature says it's time to spawn, but their metabolism has just been, their, their timing and, and metabolic rate has just been behind. So I know for a fact, um, you know, we don't get the clean muskies to see what happened with them. But this summer with crappies, uh, we were catching crappies in July and August that were still full of spawn. They never spawned. So you're saying that even though all of a sudden the water temperature might be 80 degrees or high 70s, mm-hmm. that doesn't doesn't mean that all of a sudden that they're just that they're just caught up. Right. Yeah. It, it, I don't believe they do. It's kind believe. of a slower type process basically we had one instance uh in in the second week of may we were up to hayward and we were fishing smallmouth pre-spawn smallmouth and we were just pounding them and uh we were supposed to be there for about seven days and about the fourth day into the trip the weather forecast changed and went from nice and stable and temperatures in the middle 50s during the day low 60s it was supposed to turn to 40 degrees in rain and wind the next day and we just knew that it was going to shut them down so we just, we did leave. I came back five days later, and all of the fish that were where we were fishing were gone. And they were just plain gone. And, and people that we did speak to said that they think the, the pre-spawn of the bass got shut off by that major hard front, and it never recovered. And some people said that I, you run into some people that catch smallmouth and keep them, that they had eggs in them too in the summertime. How about as far as the flowage now? You went once, twice? How many times did you get well, up there? Well, I have a travel trailer parked on a chip off flowage, so I get up there uh, probably about 10 times during the course of a year. Okay. Uh, sometimes it's just to sleep on the way to Canada, but I get up there maybe 10 times. Now, when I grew up, um, 
my dad, he'd never caught a muskie, but he, he wanted to. But he, he, you would, he would speak of the Chippewa flowage in, with terms of reverence. Like that was like the, yeah. the holy grail. <laughs> and, uh, and it just sounded cool, the Chippewa flowage. And then, of course, that's when Louis Spray's world record had allegedly come out of there. Right. Um, now, I've got Dr. Sandy, who comes up uh, fishing, drives up from Illinois, Chicago, and fishes with me throughout the summer. He's down in Florida catching peacock bass right now. Um, he, he, he's been going up there for many years. He started going, I think, in the 70s, and he'd go to Tiger Muskie Resort. Sure. He claims that they were catching all kinds of 40-pounders back then, all kind, a whole bunch of them. And... And I don't know, you've been going up there for years now. It's been my opinion that, yeah, there were a lot of big fish that came out of there, but maybe that was a little exaggerated too, or what would you say? Well, I think everything was exaggerated back in the day. Um, we had a, a, a fellow that used to, I think you may have known, General uh, John Ularic. Yeah. Yeah, okay. John John was fishing the flowage back in the 60s, and uh, his claim to fame was, uh, was a, a 38 or 39-pounder. Uh, he was staying at a resort called Clements Resort at the time, and years had gone by, and and, and John didn't fi- didn't fish anymore, and he's passed on now. But I talked to a few people that actually saw that fish, and and it was no doing of John's. But when they weighed the scale at the resort, uh, a lot of resort owners want to embellish, and right. it was more like about a thirty-four pounder, not a thirty-eight or thirty-nine pounder. Yeah, I think I think an awful lot of 30, 35 pounders become. 40 pounders once they're on the wall of a bar somewhere. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is, is the, there's, there are some people that just haven't had a lot of experience with big fish and you know, right away uh, you, you could say I got a 50 inch and it was 35 pounds. Well, for the most part, and especially in the summer months, a 50 inch is not going to weigh 35 pounds. Going to weigh 30, 31, maybe 32, depending upon the lake, but they're just not going to be 35 pounds. But that's a nice number to assign to a, a nice fish. Well, even as far as uh, if you talk pike and muskies both, a lot of people, a 40-inch pike or muskie is automatically a 20-pound fish in their book. No. And it isn't. No. No, no. I, I mean, you have to have a really heavily, heavily built fish. Right. Um, t- to be that length and even approach even into the high teens. Most 40-inch muskies are probably 17 to 18 pounds, and most 40-inch pike are 15 pounds. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, unless, you know, if you catch one in the, you know, like through the ice, you know, with the spawn in them, that's, sure. when, they're, that's when they're the fattest. I did catch um, my first official 20-pound-plus pike was caught up on Buffalo Bay in 19... 19- 98, through the ice after three days of fishing in whiteout blizzard conditions, and it was 43 inches and exactly 22 pounds mm-hmm. on a certified Chatillion scale. Yeah. And I wanted a legit 20-pound fish. Mm-hmm. I didn't want 19 and a three-quarters. Right. I, didn't, I, wasn't gonna, I wanted a legitimate pike that was over 20 pounds. Right. Because there's not many of them. No. No, no. but a lot of people... Uh, I guess that's kind of common as far as exaggerating. Now, uh, as far as, uh, you know, Louis Spray's, Louis Spray's big fish, um, I guess, you know, wasn't as, you know, big and is what he said. Now they're saying, and they don't even know if he caught it there. What would you say uh, legitimately 
during the heyday of the flowage. They must have got some 40-pounders, huh? They, they did. There's a, there's a couple of them uh, mounted hanging in the bar at the resort where I'm at. Uh, I'm at Indian Trail Resort. Okay. And there's a couple legit 40-pound fish that are hanging in the bar that were caught and, uh, and, and brought into the resort back in, the, this is the early 70s. Right. And uh, they're, they're legit. And you look at the mounts and, you know, there's, uh, taxidermists can only do so much to embellish a fish. And, and these were legit fish. Okay. How about any 50 pounders at all? Or? No, no. No. I don't, I don't know of any 50 pounders that are legit out of the, out of the chip. Now they have had some rumors over the years of some monster fish. There was one giant jawbone found on an island years ago. Well, right? Yeah. And that jawbone, I believe is still on display at, um, Treeland's resort in a display case. And I've seen that it's huge. Um, the teeth are, are the size of a quarter. I mean, that's, and what's a quarter about maybe an inch and an eighth long in diameter, I should say that some of the teeth in there are that big. I mean, it's, it was, who knows how big it was, but it was truly a big fish. I think, yeah, I think, uh, they talked at the time, they kind of compared it to, uh, the, the, what, uh, is it? No, not Cal, jo- the Cal Johnson fish. Okay. The, that big one that supposedly was 67 right. pounds, they kind of compared it and said jawbone length, it was similar to that. See, the one thing, <clears throat> excuse me, about that set of jaws is that it's connected at the, at the beak, at the front of the jaw. So it's like with, with deer antlers where, where you're not supposed to put a board in between them before you get them measured because it'll shrink inward. Uh, but that's all held together by bone on the top of the skull. Whereas this jaw from this muskie, there was nothing holding it together. So it was... It was exaggerated. It was, I'm going to, I'm showing Dan right now, but it's right. probably about nine inches wide okay. at the rear of the jaw. Now there's no, I've caught several large muskies and, you know, the, the, the head is long, but they're not that wide at the back. Okay. So you think that it was big, but it wasn't. Right. The, I mean, it, the it, width it, was probably exaggerated, but not the length. You can't, not the length. No, no. The width was exaggerated just because it had spread apart through the drying process. And then did you hear the other story years ago where some guy was, I think he was out there night fishing or, or, or maybe not night fishing, but he was fishing and he catfish. Mm-hmm. And he had an 18-pound catfish on mm-hmm. and then a giant muskie grabbed it. I've got pictures of that catfish on my computer. You do? Still. Yeah. It's legitimately, it's a big, big bite. Yeah, I mean, huge jaw marks on it's the thing. Huge, yeah, huge. Sometime I'll, I'll uh, I could send you the picture sometime. So well, there I'm, are some mon- monster muskies in the there's, chip. There's some big ones there. Yeah, you know, the the thing about the chip is that the muskies are built extremely well. You know, uh, that is the only lake I've ever fished where in the summer you could catch a 48 incher, and if you were to take it and weigh it. It's a legitimate thirty pound fish. Wow! At forty eight inches, and and they're beautiful dark. They're just gold. Dark green. Yeah. yeah, just dark a re- green and gold. Really cool looking fish. Yeah, I caught a couple of years ago. So, okay, Sam, we got to go to break. Yes, sir. All right, we'll be back. Cutting edge outdoors. If you got a fishing or hunting report, give us a call seven nine nine twelve fifty. Don't bother emailing because only Tom knows how to get that. <laughs> Not so much the heat is it the gosh darn humidity and it. You know that, you know, when you sit there in the bed and you, you're just sweaty, you know, and you just, you go to reach for the water on the nightstand and you slide right out of bed and the wife says, Stop making so much noise, you're waking me up, go to sleep. Well, let me tell you, yeah. times like that make me think about moving up north, you know. Good idea. Yeah, I'd do it too. Of course, then I couldn't watch the Packers, you know, the Packers are, gosh, I like the Packers, I'd do anything for the Packers. 
Who can forget Vince Lombardi, you know? Back in the glory years. Not me, boy. Well, anyhow. Getting to be that time of year. Eh? Yeah, my dear hunter, how do you do? I got the deer hunting rapping tail for you. I'm so excited, it's my favorite time of year. I love to feed my buns, chasing trophy deer. But don't clap your hands to the stomping of the feet, cause yeah, he's like me. He can't, he can't keep a steady beat, no. Come on, I guess get with the beat, hey. I got a great big knife, cause the hunting is my life. It's my chance to drink beer and get, get away, away from, from the, the wife. wife. It's the boys' night out, acting stupidly. Say now, baby, baby, don't you think maybe how about you and me, yeah? Well, we partied all night, never made it to our bunks, and I was sitting in the tree stand on a tree day drunk. Wind was blowing 45, temp 30 below. I was freezing to death, then it started to snow. So I got down from the tree stand, start heading for the truck, and that's when I seen it there. The 30 point buck. 30 point buck! 30 point buck. 30 point buck. 30 point well, he was eight foot tall, weighed 12,000 pounds. With every step, there was a sh sh shaking on the ground. He was so rutherful, so beautiful. Strutted right out of my dreams. He was created by God, just for outdoor magazines. Now, I'm not much for thinking. No, I don't do it often. But I had an idea. Yeah, what was that? To put that dirty pointer right in his coffin. Yeah. Get him there, Clyde. point buck. Couldn't get to my grenades. Yeah, right. The howitzer was in the shop. My stomach was tied into a monkey knot. Yeah, my only hope was Betty Lou. She was the one. A combination AK-57 Uzi Raider laser triple barrel double scoped heat-seeking shotgun. <laughs> The, the women clapping in the back there, I gotta make that. Well, you would come in for me, getting bigger and bigger, but my fingers were so frozen I could not pull the trigger. I kicked off my boots, fired with my big toe. I was Dirty Harry, John Wayne, and G.I. Joe. Yeah, that 30-point buck was only 10 feet away. Yeah, still I couldn't seem to hit him, and he wouldn't run away. And, and after 20 minutes, when the smoke cleared, there were hunters on the ground in the world's, world's biggest deer. deer. standing tall and proud, he looked at me and yawned, and then a flash of white. And there he was, gone. <laughs> oh, it's all right, Clyde. Yeah, don't, don't, don't worry about it. Well, seven men got up, and the one fell down. A big lump of blaze orange shaking on the ground. At first I thought he was one of the boys, but it was a no-brother-good-in-law man from Illinois. Only cheese had to be here. Bad boy, 
Send him back on the next plane, you know. Did you see the turdy pointer? 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 All right. Welcome back to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Thought we had to play the turdy point buck there. Sam doesn't know what he's just heard back there. (laughs) That was uh, interesting, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah, That was before your time. That song probably came out before you were even born. I'll betcha. I'll betcha. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you hear that once. I hear it once a year, maybe twice a year, and you still get a chuckle out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The other one is uh, the second day of deer camp. Yep, yep. And all the boys are here. Yep. Yeah, some classic I mean, songs. So maybe maybe Sam is able to find that one for later on. Yeah, maybe, perhaps. So uh, anyway, uh, gee, do we have to go to break now after we played that whole song, or how much? <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Probably a couple of minutes yet. Yeah. Uh, um, so anyway. Um, you were talking about the Chippewa flowage. Right. Um, do you think that the pike in there has messed up the musky fishing? Because I read that, you know, I heard that from somebody. I, I'm trying to think if I read it or it was somebody that I talked to. Well, the, the, the pike population has has uh, ex- expanded dramatically in the last 10 years. Uh, I don't know if it was a matter of the perfect storm with good spawns and, and stuff like that, but the pike have exploded They've always, you know, there's talk up there that the DNR planted them in there by accident, but they're not fessing up to it. And I'm not buying that because I've never seen a river system anywhere that didn't have that pike. Didn't have pike. Yeah. So they they've always had to be there, but they, they seem to have uh, expo- exploded in the last few years. So with with that being said, I think a lot of guys just dislike the pike because they get bothered by them when they're musky fishing. In fact, I think maybe it was Badger Sportsman where I read the story about the pike, and they were actually doing something up there, I believe, to try and encourage harvest of pike. They did this year. There was if, if you could prove that you harvested a pike, you got a chance at a prize. And I, I can't recall what the prize was. I didn't bother. Uh, yeah, they got some drawing with. or something. It was, a, it was a lottery drawing. Like uh, So if you got 20 pike that you took off the lake, you had 20 chances at this prize. So... What is the limit on pike up there? Is there any limit at all? Or? No, no size limit, uh, just the five a day. Five a day. Right. You know, if they really want to, they ought to just make it catch as many as you want. What would the harm be? Right. It, it probably wouldn't be. There, there, and there is a there is a one-weekend t- one tournament, um, the latter part of May up there, that is strictly for northern pike. And uh, they get quite a few people fish that thing. So. so is it like just the biggest pike or is it like? The uh, biggest stringer of five. Biggest stringer of five. Right. Do they go by weight then? Or? By weight, because it's a kill thing. And right. Is, so right. it's a, the biggest stringer by of five. And if I'm not mistaken, last year the uh, the winning team had five fish that were in that four to five pound range. Right. Which, and, and for up there, bad. that's pretty that's pretty yeah, good pike. Not bad. It's kind of infested with a lot of the small, you know, this like they're stunted or something. Well, there's there's an awful lot of them there under 20 inches. They, I guess the the positive part about it, though, Ron, is you got a chance for tiger muskies up there then. Well, that, that lake, you know, that lake produces two quality hybrids a year for sure. And they're, they're usually, you know, 45 to 47, 48 okay. inches, and they're beautiful fish. And, and the, the funny thing that I've noticed about it is that, you know, we usually hear the general area where the, the, the hybrids were caught or, you know, we just hear it through the talk. And it seems like now the west side of the flowage is, is um, the, the geography of the west side of the flowage is shallower water and weedier. And then you have the channel that runs underneath the bridge at Herman's Landing to the east side, of the, which is the deeper side and more structured side. 
it almost seems like the majority of the hybrids are caught within about a half of a mile of the bridge on the east side, and the rest of them are all caught on that west side where the where the terrain and the, the flowage is, is shallower water and weedier water, and which would then lend to that's probably where more pike are living also. Right, right. So, it, you know, because I wondered about that because I always look like in the Muskie's Inc., the magazine mm-hmm. where they list all the big fish caught right. in hybrids, and, and I don't see... Chippewa flowage listed, but that doesn't mean that everybody who catches a big hybrid is sending it into the musky right. muskies ink. Right. So they're still getting some nice ones then. I've, I've seen some pictures of four footers. You know, 40, that would be and, that, and, and built inches. built like the Chippewa flowage muskies are. Exactly. Those would be a that'd be a gorgeous they're fish. beautiful fish. We've uh, I've put two in my boat through the years, but they've both been little guys. Right, know, 35, 38 inches. That's that's what I caught on uh, Lake of the Woods. Mm-hmm. We actually had a double header. I and my brother. Uh, I had one smack a bobby bait right at at my rod tip, and I said, fish. Mm-hmm. And my brother goes, okay, get the net. And I'm thinking, what's he talking about, get the net? You get the, I turn around, he had a fish on too. He <laughs> thought when I said fish. You meant his. His. Yeah. But he had one hit a bucktail at the same exact time. Mm-hmm. Then we were fighting over who got the net. Wow. I think we actually put both of them in there, but they were both about 36 inches. But it was really cool having a, a true muskie, alongside the hybrid side sure. by side. Sure. I wish we'd taken a picture of that. So, Yeah, you know, the, the state doesn't plant any hybrids any longer. Um, it's probably been 25 years since they planted hybrids in the state. So, Yeah, I, you know, I talked to one of the biologists, and uh, they said most Midwestern states quit planting them back then for a couple of reasons. One reason was that they felt that they were too readily harvested. Apparently the tiger muskie has a reputation of being a little bit more northern pikeish as opposed to muskieish, mm-hmm. where they'll bite a little bit more aggressively and readily. So they thought they were too easily harvested. The other thing is they don't they're sterile. They they don't have a chance to reproduce. Now on both of those fronts now, everybody catches and releases. So I don't think being too easily caught would be an argument not to stock them. And like southeastern Wisconsin, like Pewaukee, for example, and some of these lakes, there's really not much natural reproduction that's going going well anyway. I mean, yeah, right. maybe there's a little bit, but it's really not. It's, it's, it's by and large, it's supported by stocking. I don't see what would be the harm of stocking tiger muskies. In fact, I was going to talk to the Muskies Inc. Club, the Milwaukee chapter, and if the DNR isn't going to stock them, Maybe the Muskies Inc. chapter could get permission from the DNR to go and stock tiger muskies. Because I think the thought of being out there to catch a, a, a true muskie or a tiger muskie would just enhance the fishery. Plus, the pan fishing is getting better out there. And I think a lot of that's due to the uh, pike. pike and walleyes. They're right. putting more predator fish in there. So what would be, you know, another apex predator in there could, you know, kill two birds with one stone. Right, right. So... It would be interesting to see if they do that. So with all your clout, Ron, I want you to work on that with the muskies. All right. (laughs) All right, guys. We're going to run a break. Stay tuned. 799-1250. If you're not in a deer stand, give us a call. If you are in a deer stand and you're bored out of your mind listening to us on, what, on your cell phone, I guess? I wouldn't know. I got a flip phone. Give us a call. (laughs) Hey, you shot my cow. It's the second week of deer camp, I got a swollen head. I'm lying with the dust balls underneath my bed. 
And icy breezes blowing in through the tongue and groove. My pants are frozen to the floor and I'm too sick to move. I didn't drink too many, only 30 cans of beer. It must have been that last shot that put me under here. It's the second week of deer camp and all the guys are here. We drink, play cards and shoot the bull but never shoot no deer. The only time we leave the camp is when we go for beer. The second week of deer camp. The greatest time of year. Welcome back to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush. We're here with our guest, Ron Heidenreich. And Sam, I am on the boards. Thanks for listening, following along with us today. Like I said before, I know a lot of y'all are out in the uh, deer stand. Uh, speaking of uh, deer stand hunting, got an email from Tex in the Big Rig, Ron. Oh, all right. Or our friend Tex. He was up in Douglas County. You know where I've, you know, I got my wealthy estate up yes, there in yeah. Douglas County. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm a rich barren landowner up there. But uh, anyway, I guess there's snow, plenty of snow up there. Okay. So, uh, what? Well, pretty cold. My brother got up there and he's going to go down and check and see if he can get across the river because I own about 30 acres of land across the river that I've only walked over to once. <laughs> in fact, uh, uh, I got to figure out where the boundaries are over there. It's pretty wild territory, but he was hoping to get back there and uh, maybe shoot a big buck. Um, yeah. So thanks for the info there, Tex. And uh, Tex, uh, once you listen to the show, uh, make sure you, you give us some of those uh, Winnebago reports once the ice gets going. Uh, he he did say that there was a problem with our podcast or something there, Sam. I don't know. He was having a hard time getting us. So this last week? Yeah, I think it was last week that he was uh, huh. saying he was having a problem there. So anyway, uh, Ron, you got some things there uh, uh, you would like yeah. to bring up there? Yeah, uh, I was just... Uh cruising around on the net, and I, I realized that uh, and discovered that there was, uh, this year we had an, an open elk hunting season in uh, in the Clam Lake area up in uh, up north of Hayward. And you know, if people remember back, the elk were originally introduced in 1995. They brought about 25 elk in from Kentucky. And it was an experiment to see if it would work. And, and it, you know, I think some of them survived, and then they, they did uh, supplement the, uh, the planting or stocking with a few more from there. But it got to the point where they could have a hunting season, and, and last year they did have a season, and they allowed, I believe they allowed four to be harvested. And this year they had a hunting season. It was going to be a split season, one which would have just finished up like last week, and then another uh, about a 10-day season in January in case the 10 tags didn't get filled. So there were 10 tags that were issued. Uh, five of them, the tribal members, got five of the tags, and then... The other five tags were issued up by lottery to Wisconsin licensed hunters. And one of the hunters that was able to draw a tag was a lady from Medford, Wisconsin, a 34-year-old lady, and she bagged a 5x5 five five up there. And, uh, you know, for those that don't know, a 5x5 five five is a very respectable elk. It's not a monster trophy, but it's a very respectable size elk. And uh, so she shot that elk uh uh, up there in the Clam Lake area, and it was a 5x5 five five that fuel dressed at like 578 pounds, that's, so those are big animals. That's a big elk, and when you think of elk, you, you, you it's weird to think of elk in Wisconsin, Ron, you know, because you think of a, an animal like that of being out west somewhere. Right. Uh, and I think last year they only had five tags, and this year it sounds like 10. 10, ten and all 10 were filled. So it's growing exponentially. 
So for those of you good at math, if it continues to grow exponentially, what's the equation and how many tags will be available in 15 years? Right. Well, that's hard to say. There we a, go. Lot, a lot of that depends, too, upon uh, upon the winners. Number one, uh, maybe not number one, but winters, wolves, you know, those those are two things that affect the herds. Well, you know, Tom, you know, our, our buddy Tom, and, and uh, for all our listeners out there, Tom is coming along quite well, and he should be back with us next week, so... You know, it's hard to keep a good man down. But Tom, right. Tom, you know, was kind of ripping on the DNR, I think, for uh, importing all those elk to feed the wolves. I think he, uh, yeah, was his comment there. But, uh, um, I, yeah, I guess it's good to have. I've talked to people who've seen, you know, who have land up in that area, and they right. see elk, you know, right out there, right out their back door. There's a, they also made a, a planting or stocking of elk in the Black River Falls area, but that, apparently that herd hasn't uh, developed to the point where they can have a hunt there. Huh. So I wonder if I can talk to him about, you know, planting some way up by me. Of course, there's too many wolves up there, man. I think it's, it's rugged territory, though. Um, well, I there's... think there's a percentage of wolves that get lead poisoning up there, too. So. Yeah, yeah. And matter of fact, call it a hunch, Ron. I believe somewhere, sometime today, I predict a wolf will die in the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> More than likely. I gotta, I call it a hunch, but I think a wolf just might be, uh, yeah, just you, might be going down. You know, the other thing that the state is actually uh, promoting uh, is uh, for the hunters, in, especially in the southwest corner of the state, to be on the lookout for feral pigs. And they, they want you to shoot them. Because they, the feral pigs just uh, or hogs, they just you know raise heck with crops. They they're, they're predators when fawns and cubs are young. Right. Uh, so they you know and you don't need a tag and it's you know as many as you can get. But they want you to shoot the feral hogs on there. Yeah. Huh. Uh, yeah. I heard some escaped. Then some escaped from some guy's truck years ago or something. Goofy. That could have been how they got started. But there's definitely an established uh, um, group of, of pigs on the southwest corner of the state. Well, and they, the Lord knows they're prolific. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, pigs are kind of like rats, I guess. You know, once they get going, I mean, there's all kinds of them down in uh, down in Florida, okay. um, in California, and different state Texas, right? Mm-hmm. I think those well, are those the ones are that, don't they have javelinas down there, which is a, I think a different. Well, I think uh, Tom Newbauer's son was talking about those. The little javelinas are out in. Um, also known as peccaries, I think they call them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Evidently, somebody didn't like the javelini, so we <laughs> call it a... <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, because apparently he had some aggressive little <laughs> aggressive little peccaries giving him a hard time in his dri- <laughs> driveway there one time. So uh, yeah, we'll have to have Tom tell us the story when he comes back, or maybe have a son call sometime. So yeah. Um, well, interesting, I guess. So if you want to shoot a pig, shoot a pig. Yes, exactly. So Yeah, I, I guess I'd, I don't know, if I shot one, would I keep it? Well, they, they don't they, feel they, like field, field dressing they, a hog. They, they, were, they did give a warning about the, the eating they, of them because. Trichinosis. Right, because they don't, they're not fed the antibiotics and, you know, the process of the breeding pigs nowadays is you don't have to worry about trichinosis, but these are wild animals. Well, years ago, trichinosis as a kid, we were always, oh, don't cook pork. You got to cook pork thoroughly. You can get trichinosis. I had no idea what trichinosis was, but it sure as hell didn't sound good, right? Anything that ends with a cis. And, (laughs) uh, 
a long, long name with lots of consonants and vowels sounds bad. But uh, now I found out that back then they literally you would feed pigs garbage. Just they'd feed them garbage, which a lot of times mm-hmm. garbage might have dead mice and so forth in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, of course, they don't do that. They feed them, you know, good feed and right. so forth. So the trichinosis thing, and you mentioned antibiotics. So uh, that's always good. More chemicals in our meat. I'm all for it. Yeah. So we don't have to worry about the trichinosis. So Right. And you don't have to have pork chops that will bounce off the floor. <laughs> you could at least have them. Crack a molar. Right. <laughs> all right. So we got to go to break here. And uh, when we come back from the break, um, I think we'll do our horn schwaggle. We were supposed to do that like 15 minutes ago. Is that okay, Sam, when we come back from break? Yeah, that's fine with me. Okay, 799-1250. You better hurry to get in because the calls will be lighting up. We'll put you on hold once you call, and you got a pretty darn good chance to win. I got some easy Hornswoggle questions. Hold tight, and we'll be back. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. Aboard! Ha, ha, ha! <laughs> Welcome to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All right, welcome back to the second hour, hour of hour of power, as uh, Tom Newbauer likes to say. But you know, I don't like that because the hour of power was like a Christian uh, TV right. radio show. Yeah, yep. so we can't be caught, you know, plagiarizing. We'll get sued or something. It might be a might be a trademark there or something. Yeah, a trademark. Yeah, so they'll take away my wealthy estate in Douglas County. So uh, who we got on the line there, Sam? I am. We got John in Waukesha. Hey, John, how you doing? Really good, yourself? Doing good, sir. Doing good. So you're not deer hunting today, I take it? Uh, I haven't deer hunted in about three years. Three years. Oh, okay. Uh, did you get like Ron here? He doesn't like to walk in in the cold, in the dark, into the woods, or what? Uh, it's called Two New Artificial Hips. Okay. Ooh. All right. Got you there. <laughs> all right. That's a legitimate excuse. Right. <laughs> so right now, the only people, sportsmen listening to us are ones with artificial knees, hips, and joints right now. Because everybody else is up in a tree. But anyway, we're glad you're here. So here we go, Hornschwaggle. Um, it's, being as it's hunting, it has to do with, uh, with, with guns. So here we go. Uh, a uh, semi-auto rifle is legal for hunting, but a full automatic is not. Hornschwaggle or no Hornschwaggle? No Hornschwaggle. No Hornschwaggle. Okay, one for one. Ooh. A carbine, when you're talking about a rifle, carbine is an especially long model of a hunting rifle. Hornschwaggle or no hornschwaggle? Hornschwaggle. Hornschwaggle. Hey. Hey, you're two for two. And a rimfire, like a 22, a rimfire firing pin hits directly in the middle of the cartridge. Hornschwaggle. Hornschwaggle. That's why they call it rimfire, Sam. It hits on the end. Okay, great. You're a lucky winner after all that hard work and... Those tough questions I had for you, I'm going to put you on hold, and uh, we're going to get you a $10 gift certificate to Carl's Country Meats. And my suggestion is, being as you're not 
you know, shooting any deer yourself. See if you can bump some off one of your buddies when they get back and go out to Carl's with this $10 certificate and get their uh, barbecue sticks made. Yes. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I got to shoot something this week. I got to get some Carl's barbecue sticks. So uh, hold tight. We'll get the information. And thanks for playing. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. Take care, John. Thank you. All righty then. Oh, shout out. Shout out, Ron. I got to give a shout <clears throat> out. Um, my buddy, uh, Tim Coleman, I was, uh, you know, I stood up in his wedding years ago and now he's, you know, that's before he had any kids and now he's got kids and they're old and his daughter, Olivia, I think she's 16 or 17. I took her out to McMiller, uh, shooting this year. She was unbelievably accurate, shot less than an inch group wow. at a hundred yards with the rifle. But anyway, I'm going to give a little shout out to her, um, you know, I'll give her a little advice while she's listening because I know her dad says, you know, well, she's at an age where she might start dating guys. So here's my advice to you, Lou. Okay, I want you to go and find some old copies, CDs, or whatever, DVDs of the Leave it to Beaver show. <laughs> and what I want you to do... Why Leave it to Beaver? Okay, here we go. Okay. Listen to me. So what I want you to do, I want you to pay a, a special attention, pay attention to Eddie Haskell. Okay. Eddie Haskell, and I want you to study how Eddie Haskell interacts with others. Then what I want you to do is I want you to have your potential boyfriend watch Eddie Haskell and learn his every move. <laughs> then take him home to meet your mother. Because <laughs> if not, you got to keep mom happy. So make sure uh, your whatever potential boyfriend you have plays the Eddie Haskell routine. So was Eddie Haskell a schmoozer? Eddie Haskell was the schmoozer. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Mrs. Cleaver. Nice to meet you, Mrs. Cleaver. How is you? Well, there's young Theodore. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And then soon as she would go out the door, get out of here, squirt. Get out of here. Yeah. Well, yeah, everybody knew Eddie Haskell. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I, you know, I remember this, the, the series, but I, I guess I didn't remember that. Yeah. So that's my advice to her. Make sure, <laughs> sure any potential boyfriend pulls the Eddie Haskell routine on mom. Because you got to keep mom happy if you, you, everybody else is going to be happy and you want her to approve of that guy. So, yep. yep. But, that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah. Anyway, um, so back to uh, the elk. Now, you said uh, the one gal got the one big elk, but did uh, were there any other reports of any big ones shot? There was, uh, there was one uh, in that article that I read that was a six by six uh, that a fellow uh, took. I don't remember where he was from in the state, but he got a six by six. I would imagine it was if there was a seven by seven or something like that, we would have heard about that. So my guess is there were you know ranging from spike to about six by six. Okay, and and only bulls were harvestable. You couldn't harvest any uh, any cows. Have you ever eaten elk? I have. It's delicious. It's better than beef. Um, you know, they're grazers. They're not browsers. So all the other hold all it. Their, hold their, it. You just brought up big words here, grazers and browsers. Now, I would have thought those are synonyms, but clarify for us. Grazers are, are feed on grasses. Okay. And browsers are eating pine needles and branches. Okay. So, or in the case of the deer in Wisconsin, they like their corn and beans. But um, in, in the true wild, you know, where you're in the mountain mountainous ranges, um, the elk are, are they're, they're grazers. They're eating the grasses and they're following the greens up and down the slopes as the season progresses. So the meat is just delicious. Just Was, delicious. Wasn't Ewell Gibbons a browser? Didn't he eat pine cones or pine trees or something? <laughs> I don't know. Remember that guy? He'd no. go, pine trees are edible. <laughs> you don't remember that? No, I'm I dating don't. myself, yeah. I think it was Ewell Gibbons, I want to say. 
Yeah. Yeah. But, well, deer, I, I know they have said, you know, like where I'm up, we, you know, there are no cornfields where I'm up. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, a lot of those deer, some of them feeding on cedar, you know, they're in a sure. cedar swamp and feeding on, and, and the old theory was if you shot a big old buck that's been in a swamp eating cedar and all kinds of God knows, browsing on gosh knows what bark, right. it's not exactly going to be the most delicious meat. <laughs> probably if they're browsing on cedar trees and pine trees, they probably taste like turpentine. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Those are the ones you get ground into the summer sausage, my friend. Why do you think summer sausage is so popular for deer hunters, <laughs> right? right? Yep. They got used to bringing home, you know, a lot of deer. And, and maybe even if you don't take the greatest care of it, you know, the old from field to freezer, you're supposed to. Now, I take real good care of my stuff and get it take done at a good place, keep the meat cool. But, you know, back in the day, a lot of guys would drive around with the deer on the back of their, you know, 68 Impala for a week, showing mm-hmm. it off at every bar they went to. And then, then maybe they'd get around to uh, getting it to a, cutting it up. And by then, who knows how good the meat was. So. Well. Get it all made into sausage. Yep. They don't, and they were driving around to, to uh, friends and neighbors and bars just to show them off. But by the time they got done at the end of the day or two, they were too drunk to take it to a meat market. Well, right. And by the, by, and, and, you know, but you know, with the summer sausage, yeah, it's good. But I've come to the conclusion, Ron, you can go to the store. I go to pick and save sometimes and mm-hmm. I see summer sausage, big sticks on sale for, I don't know, five bucks or relatively cheap. Sure. You can go buy the summer sausage cheaper than what you can get made out of your deer, I believe. It's, it's expensive to, to get any kind of anything made out of your deer meat other than the cuts. You know, you get even hot sticks and, and uh, you know, uh, summer sausage and stuff like that. It's, you know, they're adding about 50% of other meat to it. And then, you know, you got the process charges of, of you know, what it how much money they're charging you per pound to make it plus per pound of the added pork that they're adding. And it gets expensive. But those barbecue sticks from Carl's are worth it. And then the ones, the sticks that uh, my buddy uh, down in Florida, Lou's dad, he was up one time. He likes the jalapeno cheddar hot sticks. Okay. And I actually had those made out of goose. Okay. Took all the goose breasts in and had it made in the sticks. So if you shoot geese out there... Guess what? I mean... I didn't think geese were good for anything. They were. I'll tell you what. He took a whole bunch back for his drive back from Florida. He's been wanting them ever since. He says he can't get that stuff down there in Florida. Wow. I don't know. There's got to be some butcher shops down there in Florida. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there are. Well, you know, and they've, they've got a, a you know pretty large population of black bears in Florida, so there's got to be places that process wild animals. And, and they have deer down there. And they've got a good hog population. You know, you can go down there. I might go... When I retire... Next year, um, Dr. Sandy wants me to go down there in the middle of winter so we can go to Okeechobee and do some uh, bass fishing. Bass fishing. I'll try that shiner fishing. But while I'm down there, I'm probably going to do a hog hunt because mm-hmm. it's just a couple hundred bucks and you can go blast a hog. Right. And then you, then I think you can even have them pack it up and cut it and ship yeah, it on I up think, to you. I think most of those outfitters take care of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So. So would you do it with a handgun? Or? Well, I was thinking about that. Um, I get kind of, you know, with, I don't think, well, if I fly out there, you know, you can get a special case and you can mm-hmm. fly fire, firearms, but I really don't trust putting one of my good rifles or even my good handgun and shipping it by air. I've got a, a shotgun, uh, 870 slug barrel and a, a nice little scope on there. 
I wouldn't really worry the greatest, uh, you know, it wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be heartbroken if right. something happened to that. I think I'd probably just take that out there and blast one with a slug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell you what, those slug guns kick, though. Oh, well, especially an 8, I had an 870, and uh, when I was hunting in Buffalo County, the, the first two days of the season was shotgun, and then on Monday it would change to rifle. So the first two days you had to use a shotgun, and I had an, an 870, uh, then the 12 gauge with a Hastings barrel on it, and that bugger kicked. And I got to the point where I was like, this isn't a lot of fun. So then no. I, <laughs> I, I traded it off, and I, I bought a, an 1187 uh, synthetic with a with a Remington slug barrel on it, and that was way more comfortable to shoot. That 870 was a beast. So did it have the short barrel on it then? Is yeah, 26-inch. It, it was a 26-inch uh, uh I believe that's improved cylinder on a slug gun. So, like, like mine is an 870, and it only has like a 20 inch slug barrel on okay. it, which is even worse. Right. And I shoot just the regular Reming, Rem, Remington sluggers, not the Magnum ones, not right. any juiced up three inch, just two and three quarter inch slugger. And I'm telling you, after you take two, three shots with that thing at the range, especially if you're sitting at a bench, you don't want to shoot it anymore, you know. In fact, one time I went and had to take about 20 shots when I first put the scope on because it was so far off, and I had to keep shooting, adjusting, shooting, adjusting. And, uh, yeah, those things just really kick you. Of course, when you see a deer and you're in the woods, it doesn't matter. Plus, you know, you're normally wearing a big heavy hunting coat right. and so forth, so it won't bother you. Yeah, and you don't even think, you know, another thing you don't think of when you're shooting in the woods at, a, at an animal is, you don't think about your ears. You know, you go to the range, you're putting earmuffs on, and you're out in the woods, that one or two shots you take, oh, I guess I did just shoot. <laughs> I don't know if, well, you probably haven't been to the range in years, but the thing I hate about the range is you got so many people now that have these, uh, it's not just a regular hunting rifle next to you. They got, you know, they got one of the, got one of the current semi-automatics, you know, and they, they like to put a, uh, uh, muzzle brake on it. Sure. And they're so god dang loud. And even though I got the ear things on, I'm trying to carefully squeeze off and concentrate, and all of a sudden they're blasting <laughs> with this cannon next to you, and you flinch. Right. So I always ask the guy, don't put me next to somebody. Put me down right. on the end over there. Right. Because it just gets so god dang loud. Yep. I, I can believe that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, or you will have someone with like a 300 mag. You know, some of these guys. Did you have anybody hunting with a, a Magnum rifle in your group years the, ago? One guy had a seven millimeter mag, and that was uh, it was a, it was a beast. Yeah, uh, my buddy Scott, he's got a seven mm mag, and he actually was. I think he got some 170 grain to go elk hunting with, and he said. It, it just kicked, it, he went back to like the 130, 140 grain. Just the grain of your bullet mm -hmm. can make a difference sure. in the recoil. So sure. we got a call there, Sam? Yeah, we got Kean in Kansas. Hey, let's go to Kean in Kansas. What's happening in Kansas, Kean? Going on, Danny. Not <laughs> too much, buddy. Are you out there hunting? No, I'm uh, getting ready to go to work at the locker plant. We're, we're busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. Whoa. Or one-armed man in a wall in a thunderstorm hanging wallpaper or something like that, I guess. <laughs> I hey, I just heard you guys talking about hasting barrels. Yes. And hasting choke tubes. Okay. They originated here in Clay Center, Kansas. Um, Yellow Brick Enterprises, owned by Bob Rutt. And as a kid in high school... I worked for a place called Freegon Guns, which turned into Hastings Barrels. Okay. 
And my dad worked for them forever back in the early 90s. And uh, that's a, a, a name that I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah, in, in the early 90s, uh, and that's when I had, had that 870 with the Hastings. The Hastings barrel was was the barrel to get if you're going to put an aftermarket barrel on your gun. Absolutely, along with the uh, Hastings choke tubes. Mm-hmm. That mine, mine did not have tubes in it, but, uh, yeah, I, I can imagine. They were a good barrel. Yeah, yeah well, and so uh, I, I, it was kind of ironic when you said Hastings, because, you know, you, you can't find those anymore. Is that right? Yeah, they're, they um, Bob actually Bob left here, went down. He had a stroke and went down to Wichita, and when he sold the business, gosh, I'm going to say back in the late '90s, they basically went defunct. Hmm. Wow. So, Did not know that. You yeah. still so you got rid of you got rid of yours then? How I long? got rid of it because it was just it was you know it was painful. And I just bought an 1187, which is that that model in an automatic, and it, that one had a Remington rifled barrel on it. Well, think about it, guys. You know, shotguns have come a long way. I remember my dad, we'd go hunt, you know, close to Green Bay, you know, Manitowoc County and stuff after school during the week when we couldn't be up with the rifle hunting. And uh, so we'd grab the old shotgun, put a couple slugs in there, and you just had your shotgun, regular shotgun with the bead on it. Right. You shot at a tree at 20 yards. If it hit the tree, you were like, let's go hunt. Let's go. Yep. They're a lot more accurate now. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're they're, they're plenty accurate. And then these uh, muzzleloaders are ridiculously accurate. You know, but I, I, you know, I think at 100 yards with a good rifle barrel and uh, some kind of optics, if your eyes aren't too good, you could probably hold a five-inch group. 100 yards. Yeah. Keon, have you ever uh, shot a deer with a shotgun? I had when I lived in Shawano. I shot, that's all we had. Oh, that's right. My uh, my dad, uh, we used to have a, a football coach and teacher at my high school, Charlie O'Brien, and he owned a place in Shawano, and he used to hunt with shotgun there, I remember, back in the 60s. 29 was the twenty nine was the uh, the border. For north of 29 was, was rifle, and south of 29 was shotgun. Okay. okay. Okay, so you had to use the shotguns then. Right, and I remember getting one that I bought when I worked for Free Gun Guns here in Clay Center, and it was a uh, Beretta 301 automatic, chrome inline barrels, and they had the, the bead that, that you were talking about earlier, and uh, I ended up running it over. <laughs> Good job. Way to go. <laughs> How'd you do that? <laughs> Well, it, I was hungover. Okay. As um, uh, all good stories start with. Yeah, and uh, so I was with my then brother-in-law, who was his first time deer hunting, and I didn't want to bother him, but I had to go take a nap. So I went to my Bronco, and I laid it up against the tire, or actually I think I laid it on the ground, because back in them days you couldn't it couldn't be touching right, right. A, yeah. a vehicle. And the fumes were blowing into, the, into my into my. Uh, Bronco, so I thought, well, I'll just turn the turn the uh, the wheels a little bit and move, and I run right over it. <laughs> how how did it shoot after that? Uh, not very well. Not it didn't shoot at all, actually. All right. And, and to, this, to this day, they I I've not let, let they've not let me live that down. Yep. Yep. Well, that's a dear. That's what buddies are for. That's Never right. let you forget your mistakes. So, all right, all right. Ken, we got to run the break there, buddy. Take care. All Thanks right. for yeah, calling, man. All right. You. We'll see you. Thank you. All right, Cutting Edge Outdoors, hang tight, we'll be back.
I guess we'll come back. I was going to wait till the part where he goes every time you start dreaming of being in, being making a long cast in the summer. And he goes, but I can't because I'm stuck right here looking down a hole with a two-foot pole. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, that's that's uh, Shadrap, I believe, a group from Appleton. Yeah, yeah they're from uh, eastern, northeastern Wisconsin. Did they ever right? perform live anywhere? <laughs> I don't know. Like a, I don't know. I can't imagine a bowling any bar. alley or <laughs> it would have to be a little bingo bo- hall or would, bar somewhere. Yeah, it would have to be a little bullhunk bar someplace. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I gotta love those guys. So, Can you imagine, Dan? That we're maybe a little bit more than an hour into daylight in the state here, and probably seventy thousand animals have uh, have have been harvested. That's a lot. That's for sure. And one wolf. Oh, that's right. <laughs> one wolf. Yeah, 70,000 deer have been shot in the last hour and in one wolf somewhere. So I know our buddies from the DNR probably do not like us talking that way, but oh well. Well, You know, I'll bet you that if any of the wardens in in that northern tier of counties would be honest with you, between you and them and the fence post, they probably don't like them too much either. But they're employed by by a bureaucracy that, uh, is been lobbied to the to the hilt to that wolves are good. Yeah, you know I didn't, I didn't. You know when I was a kid in the sixties, um, my dad actually went on a hunt on uh, Apostle Islands on okay. Lake Superior, and one of the guys actually saw a wolf. Yeah, and uh, my cousin saw a wolf in Minnesota, and then there'd be some reports of some in the Wisconsin area, northern Wisconsin, northern Michigan, and I thought it was kind of cool that you know I. I I was up on my land last year. I saw wolf tracks, you know, but I think there's, it probably went overboard where let's let them naturally establish if they want to, but I don't think we really got to promote it. And I think that's kind of what they did. So what we got to call there, Sam? Yep. We got our man, Tommy Newbar on the. Hey, Tom. All right. Hey, good morning, guys. Morning, Tom. What are you doing there? Sitting in the lounge chair, wife giving you a little foot massage there, chilling? No, No, just sitting in the easy chair, taking it easy before I get up for the day. Uh, listen, you guys are doing a wonderful job. Well, it's still uh, not the same here, Tom. We need you here. Like I said, next week. Next week. Good I'll deal. Good deal. I'll be there. So, yeah, yeah. Getting, getting stronger every day and getting more pissed off every day at the stuff that's going on in this state. <laughs> getting, on, get, getting angry about what's going on in the world? Oh, yeah, well, of course. You think I'm going to come back Mr. Nice Guy? No. <laughs> well, I hope you got a lot of venom built up by the time you... By the no, time you get back here. No, I actually, I, I, will, I will be Mr. Nice Guy. I will be. Yeah. Like always, like I am. But, uh, you know, you're, uh, last week, my son Chris had to take some parts out to Oconomowoc 
saw a couple guys fishing on Forest Lake out there, and then he, uh, somebody, uh, oh, another, somebody we know was fishing on another lake in Hales Corners. It's like, you know, last week when it was cold, there were people fishing all over. Even Sal said that there were guys fishing on Pewaukee Lake. Yeah. You know, that's crazy. Well, they're, they're not now. I went, uh, I drove past Smokey's yesterday and, and went over to the sports dock for a burger, and that ice was, looked like, like you could walk oh. 10 feet out and fall through. It oh, was yeah, black it's, now. It's, yeah, it's done now. <clears throat> you know, it's, it, it amazes me uh, what, what some people will do for a six-inch bluegill. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, risk life and limb. You're right about that. <laughs> get these little bluegills. It's like, heck no, I'll go to the store, buy me some cod or something. I'll, I'll wait, you know. You know, I guess Good. people people like it. I, I guess I have... I don't even have the patience to sit there jigging to catch eight-inch bluegills, Tom. <laughs> I, I like to set my tip-ups and go back and just wait to see that flag come flying up and go running off to it all excited. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not too much into ice fishing anymore either. How so. about, Tom, how about as far as jigging for walleyes, ice fishing? Have you done that? Years ago, but I was never very productive at it. Because I was watching a show last week, and I think they were on a lake in Minnesota. I'm trying to think there which one it is, Ron. Was it? Mm. They were getting some big walleyes, and they were jigging uh, flutter spoons. Could have been Malax. I think. It, 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 yeah, and it seems like just it seems like they're. And I know on Lake Erie too, they're going. And I think mm-hmm. they're just jigging like crocodiles and just regular old spoons. Sweet, Swedish pimples, castmasters. Yeah. Yeah, just basic stuff that I would chuck off a pier for, for trout years ago. They're just ripping it up and down and catching some big walleyes. Yep. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what my problem was. I never went, years ago, I never went to the right lake to jig for walleyes. I mean, I would jig for walleyes, but I wouldn't catch any. Right. But I wasn't at, I wasn't in the right lakes. You know, that, that's the main thing. You know, if you want to catch a lot of a certain fish, you got to go to a lake that's got those fish, you know. Mm-hmm. So... I wasn't very successful at it, but I think I would have been if I would have, would have went to places that had a lot of walleyes. Well, see, here now that I saw that show where they're pulling up, you know, eight-pound walleyes that they're jigging up, I'm thinking to myself, well, gee, could I go out on Pewaukee and jig a Castmaster or a, a Flutter Spoon and catch a big walleye? And, you know, I, I know there's some decent-sized walleyes in there, but I can see how this would go, Tom. I'd go out there with my bright idea, and this would last all of maybe eight or nine minutes before I'd get <laughs> bored out of my mind and be done with it. Yep. yep. I hear you. And it, and, it, and it very well might work on Pewaukee due to the number of walleyes that are in Pewaukee right now. But I don't know. You look, you know, There's a lot of other better places, I guess, to go in the state and other states you know, to do something like that. Well, I'll tell you what. One of my bucket list trips... Uh, Randy, uh, from Midwestern Shooters Supply, when he was on our show years ago, was the first one that told us that this was going on, and now it's well known. Uh, when they, we had that really good cold winter, if there is such thing as a good cold winter, but it was good for the ice on Lake Erie, and these mm-hmm. guys were going out there getting those 10, 11, 12-pound walleyes. And, uh, yeah. in fact, Tom Kep and some of the Pewaukee crew went out there uh, I think, uh, I don't know, last year, year before, and they got some big walleyes out there. So that's a bucket list trip for me to do that sometime. Yeah, that would be a place to go to. That would be awesome. It's not that far to drive, not that expensive to do. Right, right. No, and, and I think uh, there, they pretty much encourage you to pretty much keep a lot of walleyes on Lake Erie. Oh, because, they, they do. Yeah, very liberal limit, yeah. 
yeah. It, well, it, Ron, you've been out there. I've, I've been out there. It depends upon the time of the year because the season varies on the bag limit. They they have like a four fish bag in in the spawning time period, and then it goes to a six fish bag. Uh, but they encourage it, and they actually encourage taking the big ones uh, because they are eating machines. So they they encourage taking big ones, and and they are. Uh, I've I've eaten walleyes that were six, seven, eight pounds from Lake Erie, and they're as good as the fourteen incher here in oh, Wisconsin. Man. I yeah. think it's the the emerald shiners that they're eating, as opposed to what these fish in Wisconsin are eating. Well, listen, guys, I'm going to hang up because I know you got a break coming up, and I know you got the football picking contest coming up. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, yep. Tell the wife when she's done with your foot massage work on the neck. There, that'll yeah. help loosen all that tension you got yeah. going. We'll do, buddy. We'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> see you, all right, buddy. We'll <laughs> see you. All right, we got to go to break. Is that what your hand signal meant back there, Sam? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Okay, we got to go to break. Skipper Bud's Cutting Edge Outdoors. Hang on, we'll be back. Somebody say, hey, we want some crappie. Hey, we want some crappie. Let me hear you say, hey, we want some crappie. Hey, we want some crappie. These guys say, hey, we want some crappie. Hey, we want some crappie. Everybody say, hey, we want some crappie. Hey, we want some crappie. You see, me and the fellas all have this dream, and that's to make the cover of Crappie Magazine. So today we went up north and put the boat in the lake. To catch some bass and crappie for criminy cripe sick. The Evan Rude was humming and we took a little ride so we could cast him through the weed beds on the other side. Pete threw the anchor over as I rigged up my pole. About a five pound crappie's what I set for my goal. Firing through some minnows on a crappie rig. All right. We'll come back. I was going to wait and sing, hey, we want some crappie. <laughs> but Tom's not here, and we, we normally sing sing pretty well together there. Ron, I, I didn't think that you'd, you know, no offense, but I didn't think quite. Oh, I got, one, I got one, uh, one level of, uh, of notes. My range is real limited to one, so you wouldn't want me singing. So, um, yeah, ice fishing. Yeah. I, you know, a friend of mine sent me a picture of uh, – of how to how to check to see if the ice is safe out in front of you, and he, he has a buddy that that likes to consume uh, malted beverages. So what what this fellow did is he took a twenty foot cane pole, and he hung a can of beer off the end of the twenty foot cane pole, and he walked behind his friend. So his friend is chasing <laughs> think the beer, trying to catch up to the beer, fifteen twenty feet in front of the guy who don't want to fall in. That would be a great. <laughs> it, it he's got to post. He's got to make like a meme out of that. Yeah, I, I've got the picture on my phone. I don't want to mention the names, but it's it was you gotta clever. Kinda, you got to kind of know the guy who's chasing. You got to know the, the two guys. Kinda, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty clever one. Uh, pretty interesting there. So, how about as far as. Uh, um, Pewaukee, any wall? Have you heard of any big walleyes coming out of Pewaukee this year? No, not not big ones. You know, I've heard of some five and six pounders, but n- you know, nothing. I haven't heard of any eight or nine or ten pound fish. Because I and L shook caught one, you know, about that size two years, no, maybe three years ago. Trolling, okay, I'm trying to remember, but you know, it's surprising. Uh, you troll those crankbaits out there. You'd think you'd be stumbling into more walleyes than what you do. Yeah, yeah, you would. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure there's some big, really big walleyes in there, but I'm sure the 
the bulk of the population is is under four pounds. You know, I, I was out there many years ago, 20 years ago. I and a friend of mine, Jerry Worley, our big plan was to try and night troll for walleyes out there using crawler harnesses. Sure. And uh, we tried trolling a weed line, and uh, it was about midnight trolling a weed line over by uh, Walks Island, the island on the west end yep. over there, pretty close to where they did, did the fish sticks project. And, uh, of course, we hook into a lunker fish, and it turns out to be a 44-inch muskie, of wow. course, on a crawler. Yeah. That was kind of yeah. fun at night. But, uh, yeah, that was then I kind of gave up on By the way, we do need a uh, contestant for our NFL picking contest. We got our NFL picking? Okay, wow. I should pay more attention, right? I'm supposed to be running the show here. It's early in the morning. (laughs) We miss Tom. 799-1250. Give a call right away. You're guaranteed to win uh, a gift certificate to Curly's Waterfront Pub. They've got French fries that are perfectly made, as Tom likes. Right. Uh, they're like identical. It's like they take a micrometer or something and measure them up. <laughs> and but in addition to that, haystack onion rings are good. Yep. If you want to get some grease going, mm-hmm. and uh, good pizza, lots of good things there. So there's, give us a call seven nine nine twelve fifty. There's not much there that's bad. I mean, I, you know, every time I've eaten there, I've been satisfied. Everything's good. Yeah. 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 It's a good place to watch a game too. So. Yeah. And uh, a lot of good places in Pewaukee to go to. You got Park Avenue Pizza over by me, which, by the way, is hiring. If you are a cook, server, bartender, swing by, talk to Amy. Right on the corner is kind of a nice family restaurant. You can get a job. Best, best roasted chicken in the, in the county. That is good. Yeah, that's their kind of best kept secret. I had it last night. Did you? Yep. Oh, I'm jealous. Oh, uh, yeah. I found there was nothing but bones all over. <laughs> <laughs> some, some on the tray and some on my... <laughs> Easy chair. Someone may rock and well, cleaned do, up before I came to the show did, this morning. Did you do one to go? I get up. Yeah, I always eat to go because I I like to just like lay back on the couch right. or whatever and eat and throw the bones yeah. on the floor. Then I wake up in the morning to go. In, so about four this morning, I went to just inspect the damage to see what was there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who we got? We have Mike in West Dallas. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Good morning. All right, so here we go. NFL picking contest. Sam, what are our spreads, buddy? San Francisco is favored by three points, 48 over under. Okay. Um, Sam, I'll let you go first. Who do you think? My prediction this whole week has been a pretty low score. I think it's going to be a defensive battle. Both teams want to run, so I'm going to go 13-17 Packers. Okay. I'm going, to, I'm going to take the Packers and the points. Packers. Okay. What do you got, Mike? I'm going to take the Packers and the points. Okay. I'm going to take the Niners. Now you're guaranteed now to you're win. Gonna win. Now you're guaranteed to win, Mike. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Hey, we got to take care of our friends here in the cutting edge outdoors. So I, I, I like this show. Okay, that's <laughs> good. Hey, hey, all kinds. Hey, we we next week I want our listeners to tune in because we may have a very huge, exciting announcement about something you can win. So we'll keep it under wraps right now, Ron. Right, but right. it's big, 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 big. So after I shoot a deer, I'll come back next week and tell y'all. So we'll put you on hold and. Uh, um, our producer actually has the, I'm getting smart, Mike, instead of writing your, your names and addresses on a sheet of paper, which I go home, lose and find three days later when I get around to mailing the stuff, I've got the gift certificate with a stamp ready to get addressed. So as soon right as now, we put huh? right now, it's going to go in the mail. You'll probably get it Monday. Monday. Yep. All right. We're on top of things here. All right, man. Take care. Have a good weekend. Thank Hold tight. Guys. Hold tight. He'll get that. You bet. Yep. Okay, Thank Sam. Thanks, buddy. We'll let you get to work at that address there. So. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, 
Uh, where were we? Were we on uh, walleyes? You talk about walleyes on Pewaukee. Yeah. Um, my guess too. You know, they've been. It's been an ongoing stocking program between walleyes uh, for tomorrow and the, the DNR. And I know that this fall they planted another thirty thousand plus extended growth walleyes. But the, the thirty six thousand they planted two years ago, those fish uh, have a good chance at being of legal, catchable, keepable size this coming 18 summer. Eighteen inches. Eighteen inches, three a day at eighteen, and I think there, there's going to be uh, fish that are going to be keepable. Now, Paul Mahalik, our friend Paul Mahalik, he was telling me that many years ago, I don't know if this was 60s, 70s, whatever, uh, that he caught uh, two giant walleyes, 10 pounds plus, on back-to-back nights, uh, fishing just off of the uh, sports dock area on that by Waukesha Beach area on the break line, like 20 feet down or whatever, and tip-ups. He got some big... Giant, and he said there were some real giants in there back then. You know, um, I don't have to go back. I think in the, in the late 80s, early 90s, there was a lot of guys that were catching wall, big walleyes on tip-ups. Uh, they were actually suspended. And you're, the, the big rage was the Rocky Point area. But the fish, the walleyes were actually suspended out over the deep water. And they'd be fishing like in, you know, maybe 15 to 18 feet down in 25 to 30 feet of water. Now, I'm, I'm really not sure that the walleyes were for sure suspended, but... Uh, you know, for a walleye can come up five, six, seven feet, and no problem. See, I always think about for walleye fishing a foot off the bottom. Right. That's yep. kind of what I. Now, years ago, we were catching walleyes. I, I went out uh, with my friend Jerry, who I mentioned before, and he actually had a shanty set up uh, just off of Chester Island, mm-hmm. uh, kind of, you know, before the Narrows. And he was fishing out there, and he was catching a lot of little walleyes on tip-ups and small little minnows just above the weeds. Is this recently, you said? No, nah, that was oh, years ago. Uh, yeah, years ago. And um, one night he was out there, and some guys right over by the island did get a, a did get an eight-pounder. Wow. They, they were fishing all night long. Um, and, uh, and another friend of mine, too, now that we're talking walleyes on Pewaukee, what do you mind? Skip was his name. Years ago, he read in an In Fisherman magazine about trolling uh, three-way rigs for walleyes, where you'd have like a three-way swivel, and you'd have a, a drop line with a big old heavy weight, and then you'd have a leader that's a couple feet long back, mm-hmm. where you could drag like a rapala or a thunder stick, a crankbait. Right. And he went on out on, on Pewaukee and uh, did it one night, after bar time, <laughs> yeah, he liked bar time. Uh, he went out there and he caught five walleyes his first night doing that, uh, up to five pounds. Wow. And uh, and for years he did pretty well out there. Um, in fact, uh, he told me how to do it, and it's interesting. He told me exactly what to do. So I went on out there and I was off the island on the west end. This is middle of summer during mm-hmm. the middle of the day, mm-hmm. and I put my line out. And I, it didn't take me 30 seconds, and I caught a 20-inch walleye. Wow. And I thought, this is it. This is the hot ticket. <laughs> I never got one that after it. that. That was it. Yeah, but he would drag bottom real slow, and uh, he'd have real long leads, and uh, he'd, he'd run a whole bunch of lines. So, like, he'd have a heavier weight for the inside lines, mm-hmm. and then he'd have lighter weights for the outside lines sure. to try and keep them from getting... Tangled, right. and he would crawl with a little eight-horse motor and a tiny boat, like you know, half a mile an hour. He'd just barely be dragging those, those you know, thunder sticks and little rapalas. And the interesting thing is, 
when the muskies weren't hitting our bagleys that we were trolling at three miles an hour, 18 feet down, mm-hmm. guess who would be catching a muskie those yeah. nights? It'd yep. be him. When those sure. muskies were hunkered down and not active, he'd, he'd catch some muskies doing that too. So, okay, I guess we got to go to break. Final segment. Final up. segment. Hang tight and uh, we'll be back. We're hot. We're hot. You're not. <laughs> Welcome back we got to the Skipper Buzz yes, Cutting we do. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back. Good job, Ron. Good job. So uh, you were talking what? what uh, well, you were, you were I was just, uh, just an FYI. Uh, uh, if anybody's interested in fishing for muskies on Pewaukee, Oconomowoc, uh, maybe you can get on Okachi. I'm not sure. But Smokies has a good supply of suckers, and uh, the boat landing by Smokies is was still frozen yesterday, but the west end is open. The west end of the lake is wide open, and I'm, I'm certain that there's muskies to be caught. So uh, you come on out, and, and you can pick some up. I'm actually coming out of retirement for, for a day. i got to work from 9 until about 3 or 4 today. And uh, so if you get uh, hankering to go fishing, we got some bait. How uh, how long is how long are they going to stay open over there? Through the end of this month? Or well, the way think? the weather was going, they were talking about closing up uh, after the Thanksgiving weekend. But now it's possible that uh, the east end is going to open up. We got a week of forty degree weather coming. Okay. So it's uh, it's going to be a kind of a hit and miss thing to see if it's uh, financially worthwhile to be open for a. You know, every every day there's less musky fishermen just putting their boats away. And have you ever broke ice to go out musky fishing? I have. I have. Uh, actually, up on a chip off uh I have done it up there, but it was always just you know, hundred feet of shoreline ice right. to break out. Right. Right. I I have done that as well. Right. In fact, one year when I did not, I don't think I deer hunted that year. Or if I did, maybe I just went up for like the opening weekend and plugged a doe and came back. I went out over Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I uh, was actually out there and I launched on the West end as I believe. And I had to break through a little bit of ice and then I was working at West end. Sure. Yeah. Didn't catch nothing. There is a, I saw on, on a, a post on, on Facebook actually this morning before here, uh, that t- on tomorrow's show on in-depth outdoors, which is on the Fox North network channel 1309, if you got spectrum, that Ty Senate, one of the guys on the chip of flowage is doing a, doing a show with that, uh, the host of that show and they caught some crappies, and they also caught, I think, one or two muskies by accident. I think by accident. Maybe they were actually fishing for them through the ice. Okay. So the season is open until November 30th up there. Right. Now, with down here now, it's open through December. December 31st. Yep. I don't know. Do you think they really need to have it open through December 31st? Well, that, was, that all came about from the, um, the muskies, Inc. chapter in Madison, because those lakes, especially Monona and Mendota, really late and the guys just wanted to fish and wanted to fish and they lobbied the DNR and they got it. Um, I'm not particularly crazy I, about the thought of fishing for muskies, uh, say, under tip-ups through the ice because the nature of ice fishing and with tip-ups is let's spread them out as far as we can spread them. Right. And, and, and then so the flag goes up and you got a, you know, a, maybe a 7-inch, a 7-to-10-inch uh, sucker down there you can't run fast enough to get to that tip up before they may have that quick strike rig 
in a bad place. So is it that they did, that they wanted to ice fish for them, or was it that they wanted to they open wanted water open fish? water fish because okay. the, the Madison Channel lakes would stay almost every year would be open until you know New Year's. Right, right. Well, I I can see uh, I can see the uh, um, the the ice fishermen. You know, it would be kind of fun to catch one on a tip up. I caught a forty four incher outside my right. place last year. But I immediately, you know, unhooked and, mm-hmm. and let it and let it go. Right. Um, but to my way of thinking, give the muskies a rest after November thirtieth. Let's just let them. Well, they they do get uh, pressured pretty well on that lake during the summer. I mean, the they get they get pounded. <laughs> Let's just give them a little bit more time. Yeah, a little reprieve. And and I mean, in the past, I mean, there were you know some guys would still fish in December for them because they could always say, "Oh, I'm fishing for northerns." Right. With a eighteen inch yeah. sucker. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and, and even after the season closes, there's an awful lot of muskies uh, on that lake that meet their demise because the guys do go out there and they fish for pike, and, and there's not a, a muskie swimming that's going to pass up a five- or six-inch golden shiner. And, you know, there again, any they can have that thing down uh, to where it's going to be tough to release them successfully. Right, right. Well, the year before that, Right in front of my place, I I actually won one of the fishing contests at the waterfront. I caught a um, a thirty five inch or thirty six inch ten pound. I remember pike. that. I remember that. Yeah, and but you know what? Even that, I couldn't bring myself to want to uh, to want to you know harvest it. I don't like using the word kill because people yeah. say you killed it. Yeah. Well, you you kill a deer, you don't kill a fish. Okay, right. you keep a fish, <laughs> but you killed it. Right. Um, but uh, uh, I actually put. The, Got a big Lake Michigan cooler, put a bunch of cold okay. water in there, and took it over there. Had them weigh it at the waterfront. And I felt pretty good letting the thing go. Nice, nice. So, um, but yeah, there's some decent sized pike in there. So a guy could could conceivably catch a 40 inch pike through the ice on Pewaukee. It's possible. Oh sure. You know, I I I left. Uh, I retired from Smokies in in mid June, so I don't didn't hear a lot after that. But um, the year before, I mean, there was a lot of northerns being caught by muskie fishermen in the summer. That range from say twenty eight to thirty five inches, a lot of them. Right. So there's there's a there's a you know it's not like you're fishing for hammer handles out there. Right. I've I've caught a couple decent ones trolling out there this year. I didn't catch as many as I did the year before. Okay. I don't know, but I didn't catch as many muskies as I did the year before either. So right. Yeah. But I I mean I caught you know I managed to get some pretty steady action, but no no fat fabulous fantastic days. Um, but yeah, if I guess a guy wants, if you're not deer hunting, now would be the time that you could conceivably get a really big muskie. Oh, that's for sure. You know, they're, they're, they're about as heavy as they get, you know, right now as, as far as weight per length. So it's a good time to get, uh, what may be your personal best. In fact, um, there was, uh, I think, I think Gillespie was with Pete Mayna, I think last week I saw him, they were up sucker fishing. On Lake of the Woods. On Lake of the Woods. Right. And and I was gonna I was thinking about that. Do a lot of got people sucker fish for muskies on Lake of the Woods? I don't think so. I think the live bait is really hard to get up there. Number one, and they were out on an island, so I'm not sure. You know, the, obviously the the delivery trucks aren't going out on an island, but uh, you can get if you can import your own bait, but you'd have to buy it in Canada because you can't take live bait into Canada. That's not sterile, right? You know, so I, I think it'd be. It'd be a chore. Right. It'd be a chore. But they did catch a few muskies the week before on, on rubber, jigging rubber over the side of the boat. 
they did two shows in that one one week. What were they? Medusas or that, that type bulldogs? of thing? And, yeah, that type of a thing. And uh, bondy bait, like a yeah, right, right. Just a rubber bait, just over the side of the boat. Have you ever got one on a bondy bait jigging? Never. No. No. Do you have the patience to do that? No. Me neither. <laughs> How much time we got there, Sam? I am about a minute and a half. Got a okay. minute and a half. So. Uh, well, I was going to get to a deer hunting quiz here in this Badger Sportsman magazine, but perhaps we'll have to change, uh, save that for next week. I will be driving up after the show up there to the farm, and uh, yeah, we'll see if I see if I shoot a deer. I, I think I'm going to hold off on shooting a doe. You know, I'll get shots. You know, the does always come out on the field. I think I'm going to wait for the antlerless hunt for that, and okay. see if I can hold out for a buck. So, all right, that's all I got. Well, that's about all I have. To all the listeners, thanks for listening, and God bless and stay free, everyone. You've been listening to the Skibber Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Get out there, go hunting, be safe, my friends. We'll talk to you next week. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.